everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 317. Yeah. And this is a themed episode, but it's a different themed episode. Isn't, aren't all of our themed episodes different? <laughs> no, but this is different. The reason it's different is because we are returning back to discussing conspiracies. And it's been a minute. I, I think we, we did one episode 25. We did one episode, what, I don't know, 101. It's been a long time. Yeah. I Wasn't 13 our first conspiracy episode? Maybe. I don't know. I thought it was uh, 20. We should have done 313, you know, 13 being the, the number. So, yeah. So, we've got, uh, we've got another conspiracy. And I'll be honest, uh, I haven't looked at any of these conspiracies yet. So, I'm excited to kind of see what, uh, what the Insta world and the reselling community has brought us with what they think the conspiracies are in the reselling world specifically, are we kind of focusing in on eBay here? eBay well, conspiracies? No, no, it's not. So it's interesting. I was talking to Mike before the podcast, how back in the day, you know, we would throw out on Insta like, Hey, give us some ideas, thoughts about this. And, and no one had any conspiracies to share. So the way I had to do this, if you ever want to find conspiracies, where do you go? E-commerce bites? No, 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 no. I'm oh. just talking about in general in life. Uh, like what are the major places Uncle you go? Uncle Steve. No, no. There, there's there's one major place and it's reddit mm, right yeah. you want to find conspiracies i mean it's either that or like some other notorious sites but yeah reddit's a cesspool for sure reddit is for sure and so i decided i like through the e-commerce sites which you know what i could have if i went in the comments i'm pretty sure i would have found stuff uh so i decided to go on reddit and just like key spam you know words in there you know conspiracy algorithm cassini uh just you know, weird. I even typed in weird. So there's, if you haven't checked it out, there's the flipping subreddit and uh, on there, you know, there's like 240,000 plus uh, members in that subreddit. And so I thought I would find stuff there for us to talk about. And I thought it's interesting because this episode isn't just one for Mike and I go, haha, that's dumb or haha, that's possible. But there's a lot of things that can apply to your reselling by looking at these conspiracies because they also give you practical application as to how you should run uh, your eBay business or how you should source and, and other things. Because in here, it's not just eBay, it's just reselling in general. So I thought it's pretty interesting. All right, let's hear them. All right. So conspiracy number one is, I thought this was interesting, that eBay buys items from YouTubers. Hmm. So somebody had commented, uh, business marketing can be a very powerful tool, right? There's a leasing theory that lots of sellers sell lower value items at a loss for marketing purposes to draw attention to their store. Businesses spend lots of money on marketing, right? Bigger businesses spend more money than smaller businesses in general, correct? It is reported that eBay spent $562 million on marketing for 2019. What if eBay was the main purchaser of items from the top YouTube flipping creators, but the creators didn't even know it? Not all the purchases, just the majority. What's 80K in marketing costs to eBay? How many top flippers are there in reality? Consider all of the influence the top flipping channels have over people who want to do the same as them. YouTube wins by views alone, and eBay wins by all the additional products being run through their platform. 
Yeah, I mean that's an interesting one. Um, I can I can see where somebody would come up with this idea, especially in that there are going to be resellers. Like I've I've seen some YouTubers who are really popular resellers, and they know what they're doing, and they're in like a specific niche, and so they can go to stores, and you know maybe they're finding old glassware, or they're you know really know what they're doing with antique mugs, or like they're they're specific to like a certain niche, and they know what they're doing. And there's other people in that almost like a hobby, like people who are resellers, but also just interested in old glassware. And so they follow what they're finding at thrift stores. So there are those flippers who are obviously, they're good at what they do. They make money. A lot of their money comes from YouTube. But then there's going to be some that are just personalities. Like you can get people who are, are, I mean, think about talk shows, think about radio show hosts, those types of things. There are people who may not even be like super experts in their field or really know a lot. And there might be people who have a lot more knowledge than them. Uh, I, I think of certain fields like science, if you're a scientist or if you're a, a, an engineer, you're something that like maybe, you, you know, a lot of stuff, but you're just presenting it in front of the public isn't like what your strong suit is. So if you get people who are really good at presenting, but maybe they're not even that good at the thing that they're presenting, they don't know it that well. So it, it, I could imagine there's probably a handful of, of famous YouTubers who are, you know, have flipping channels that are just excellent personalities. Like they're, they're really good at connecting to their audience, getting people, getting views, doing clickbait. And I could see how it would be if they're, what if they just can't turn a profit in their eBay store? It's like, they're buying these things and it's like, yeah, it'd be great if that sold for a thousand dollars. eBay just comes in and just. Yeah. And then, so, so eBay makes those big sales. So then they're getting the, now that is a, it's a conspiracy in the sense of, there's a lot that would have to be involved to make that work. I mean, eBay would have to identify who are the really good sellers. Man, are they yeah. are they in the chance? Uh, is this YouTuber likely going to stop making YouTube videos if they're not successful reselling? Can we help make sure that they're getting those sales in their I, yeah, stores? That's, that's a little far. It, it's far-fetched, but I mean, it does make sense. I mean, there are people who could potentially sponsor them and things that, because it's like, hey, they're really good at speaking. They're really good at connecting with their audience. Maybe they're um, photogenic. You know what I mean? Like, I think of like singers, like how many singers that are famous really don't have the best voice ever, but a little bit of auto tuning and some, some work behind the stage and, but they're really good performers. It just, they've got the body, they've got the face. You know what I mean? It just makes me think of this happens in, in, in many worlds where there's speakers that write books. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for example, I, I saw a TikTok about like when Gary Vee initially uh, was being asked to speak, he would, his, his fee was like a hundred K or something. And then you'd have to buy, I think like, I don't know, 350 of his books, right. Or, or it was an obscene amount. So it would kick him up in the new New York times bestseller. I also know people that work in uh, certain fields where the part of their speaking fee is you have to buy like a thousand of their books. And so if you buy a thousand of their books, it kicks them higher in, in the sales rank. Now, what I was reminded of was before I went to eBay open this last month, the night before, like the sales were dead, nothing was going on. And the night before I go, I got, I was like almost a thousand dollars in sales, like within an hour or so. I'm like, that's weird. So I'm getting this dopamine hit. So I go to eBay tomorrow. I think eBay is wonderful. Super happy. Yeah. Right. Everything's all good. Now there was this late night conversation that happened back in eBay open 2019. You already were back in, in the room. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't know, one in the morning, there were some uh, YouTube uh, influencers there. And, and some of you that were there that listened to the podcast remember this. And we were all talking about it. And some of the OG eBay YouTubers were talking about that they believe that eBay ensures the individuals that are chosen to speak at the convention 
somehow get their items ranked higher while they're at eBay open so sales continue. I mean, it wouldn't even need to be just the speakers. I mean, if you figure it's pretty easy to do. I mean, a lot of marketing happens with like geolocation of a phone, right? If you're in this area, um, then you are going to be getting these advertisements. You know, that's how you can kind of target your audience. So eBay open, they, you actually register, you give your store name. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eBay open. Here's my store name. (laughs) So it would make sense. It wouldn't be difficult for them to essentially boost your stuff up as if it were being promoted, even if it's not promoted in order for you to get more sales. So you have that dopamine hit so that you're excited when you're there so that you uh, you know, are, are, are really engaged. Talking about the glories of eBay. Because then you're going to be the ones that are going to go back home and you're going to be the ones telling all your friends about how great eBay is and how great. So there, there's certainly those things can be done. I, I'm not saying that it, it's not done. I just look at a lot of things. A lot of times I look at like people who have certain conspiracy theories about the government or about various things. And I think sometimes you might be giving too much credit like I feel like big organizations like that, they're almost swimming in bureaucracy and they've, they've got a good marketing team and they're trying to do, but there's like a lot of things that they can't even fix on the back end of their system. And there's things that eBay sellers want to have and they haven't been able to implement yet. And to think that they've got like the brain power to be back there thinking like, what if we can socially engineer the people who sell on the platforms that that way, that I just almost think you're giving too much credit, but it, it could be possible. You could say like, Hey, YouTuber X is really, really popular. They've got 500,000 subscribers, tons of people watch them. We need to make sure that they're getting some sales so that they they keep making these videos because they're free marketing for us. So it could happen. Um, I would put this as like a maybe. So for as a maybe, okay. a maybe. So uh, for every we one of these, them. would we love like to a, a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or like a maybe. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. So you're like, gonna say I agree. maybe. I disagree. Maybe this is maybe. maybe. I, I think there's something to be said about maybe the ranking. I don't know about the flat out buying stuff like that. That would take a lot of effort. Yeah. Cause then they'd have to have so many dummy accounts like yeah, set up. Yeah, to it's, know just, it, no, it's just, it's a addresses. Just, things can yeah. be sent to. Yeah. Okay. Let us know in the comments too. Want to hear your thoughts on all of these. All right. Number two, uh, eBay hijacks seller customer service on purpose. So, uh, this individual stated, whenever I call about buyer-related items, my call is answered in a couple of minutes. Whenever it's about seller-related stuff, 20 minutes plus, I believe that department is short-staffed on purpose. This time difference has been absolute, but my sample size is quite small. Anyone else have this problem? Do you think that's true? Do you think that eBay probably has a larger customer service department for eBay buyers than they do sellers? I feel like when you call in, they don't automatically know what you're calling in for, Right. Yeah. Well, how could they? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's part of it is now it could be if, if when you first call in, like, you know, how you call in and it's like, you kind of have to talk to an operator. Sometimes they connect you to a certain department. Do they really? Uh, just companies in general. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you call, you're like, I need to talk to somebody about my AT&T bill and you call and they're like, what is it in regards to? And then you're like this and they're like, all right, we'll connect you with that department. Sometimes it's like the automated thing. So it could be that once they like funnel in, like what your complaint is, all right, let me get you in touch with somebody who can handle this. I, I will say from working at a call center that there were the building that I was in was really large and we had different departments that handled various uh, tiers. So we had literally a tier one, a tier two and a tier three dispatcher, the tier one dispatchers. And they're the ones that took the phone calls. They handled most issues. Okay. The tier two handled things that were a little bit more elevated. They had a little bit more leeway and we had a very small tier three department. It was like eight dispatchers total and so on any given day there might be three or four there at a a time and they handled the most severe situations of like 
customer is very upset or there's a ton of notes on this account or they're trying to cancel and they're like the last resort to keep a customer from canceling. So they had a lot more power and things they could do. So I could definitely see that, you know, when you call into a company, a lot of times you're like, I'm talking to somebody from another country who's probably working in like a general call center that handles four or five different businesses, not just eBay. Mm. And so they're reading off a script and there's only so much they can do and they could probably handle more customer issues than the people handling seller issues. So I would imagine there's probably a smaller department of people who actually are able to fully understand and deal with the issues that a seller has as opposed to a customer. Yeah, I I think I, I'm just lost in it because I whenever I tell an uh, eBay buyer, like, hey, you need to contact eBay, I really don't know who, who they contact. Like, who do they email somebody? Is there like a link on their buyer page? I, like, I have no idea. I've never personally, as a buyer, have contacted eBay. Maybe right? you should do it on the next time you buy something. You should call and uh, say you have something to talk about. And then maybe just like <laughs> well, say, just, this seller did a great job. I just wanted to tell you that. I just just conversation. See how it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just, it's been interesting because especially with global shipping, I've had individuals, you know, saying, hey, you know, this item arrived damaged. And I'm like, hey, open up a case with eBay. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and I have to tell them. All I say is go to the orders page. I'm sure there's a link there for you to do something. And most of the time it gets resolved. But uh, yeah, I, I I think eBay out of all of it, out of all the platforms does a great job. I never have a problem getting a hold of eBay, eBay, whether you go to the eBay seller page where you can, you know, request removal or of a feedback or a defect, or you can just, you know, you go to the help on the app and have the have us call you option. And then they call you within four minutes. I think eBay does a really great job when it comes to that. Now, granted, I will admit, and I say this all the time, Mike and I have been spoiled with the concierge service. So I've never once been on eBay without concierge. Let us know in the comments. Do you, when you call eBay and you're not concierge, are you on hold for a while? I really want to know this. I mean, I've been on hold before I had concierge for a while Okay. Uh, with eBay. But again, I think it's one of those things where I can't imagine they're, they're doing this on purpose. Like there's more and more you go to a restaurant, you go to, I mean, there is a fast food restaurant, like not like normal fast food, but like a, like a burger joint in, in town where I live. And they had a sign up and I've seen similar signs at other places. And it's like, please be patient with us. Like we're having a hard time finding employees because there's, there's, the costs are going up for everybody. It's hard for people to to work jobs to pay lower amount. It's hard for companies to pay more. Like it's it's a mess all over the place. The economy is in in an up and down, and and so I can imagine that it's difficult for these companies to staff. I mean, staffing is always an issue, and even if you're staffed, you can be 100 percent staffed, but only 70 percent of your staff is like very competent, and then 30 percent are like kind of a drain, but you can't get rid of them. Especially, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm speaking from the state of California, but it, it's a pain in the butt to get rid of employees when you're in a state where there's tons of protections and things you got to deal with. And so I can't imagine a company is like, we want to intentionally understaff a department uh, and make it difficult for people to call. They would love to have the shortest time calls possible. They would love to be able to have the highest customer rating, but it's just one of those things where part of it is going to be, it's just challenging. And part of it's going to be poor management. I'm sure there's sometimes where they're just a bad manager there who doesn't know how to get the right people in the right places. And, some bad employees, but I, I don't think this is sabotage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and like I've stated before, call eBay as less as possible. And, and that's not directly related to the conspiracy, but 
if you find that you're spending a lot of time on eBay, you you have to consider what, why are you spending so much time on eBay? Is it because your listings aren't accurate? Is it because, you know, maybe you're selling items that you probably shouldn't sell because they're too much of a headache? Is it is it possible that, you know, the problem is you, right? Or is it just that time right now where, you know, like I mentioned last podcast where it just seems that there's issue after issue after issue and you have to call eBay about. So uh, anyways, there's got a conspiracy. I guess eBay doesn't hi- hijack it. So that's a no. Like, yeah, no, I would say no. <laughs> no, okay. Hey, before we move on to our next one, American Bubble Boy, no conspiracy here. Uh, they are the best bubble wrap out there, and they ship pretty fast, uh, free two-day nationwide shipping, or next day, or local delivery. I got to tell you, I love that next day shipping. I got to order another uh, four-foot roll of, what is it, 700 square feet, something like that. Uh, but it's pretty awesome. I will say, I ordered the large recycled bubbles a few weeks back, and I probably want to order those again. What I love about that is when you get the big bubbles, you only have to usually wrap things once. Yeah. The right. big bubble, it, it's you I think it's good to have both. It's like different tools in your in your tool belt. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to have those small bubbles and you want to have the big bubbles. Cause there's some things where yeah, you just want to be able to wrap it with the big bubble really protect. And other things are a little bit smaller and the big bubble would be cumbersome. So it's cheap enough in American Bubble Boy that you can get both. You can get, you know, the uh big four foot rolls or like I prefer the smaller two foot rolls. And then you're not, uh, then you've got the tools you need for the job and you're not trying to just make whatever you have work. And because it's cheap enough, you can do that. There you go. So go to the link below uh, and go to American Bubble Boy using that link. Helps us out, helps you out. And in the end, gets you faster bubble wrap at a great price. All right. Conspiracy three. And this one we've talked about so much, but it's been a while. Uh, eBay throttles sellers. Uh, the apologist, <laughs> I like the comment this person said here, the apologists and fanboys will insist that throttling is not a thing. So in case you're wondering what th- throttling is, basically like eBay uh, hides like your listings or doesn't show them right away, depending on who you are. Okay. So, but anybody who has been seriously selling will tell you that they absolutely do throttle sellers. There's a reason why I can sell $150 worth of a certain item a day for a week straight. Then the next week, maybe $100 a week. If I am lucky, just as suddenly as sales fall off, they pick right back up. Another curious thing is how sales can flatline for a week straight. And then all of a sudden, my old dead stock that has been listed for six months or more starts selling like crazy. Yet another curious thing is how 70% of my sales seem to go to Florida for a couple of weeks once my sales pick up. And then when they die and pick up again, everything goes to another state. My working theory is that they throttle sales by state and region, almost as if they black me out in the West Coast for a couple of weeks. Yeah, my question on this would be why, right? Like, why would why would eBay do this? Now, there we've we, talked about this. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would look at this and say like, yeah, absolutely, they would do that. Now, I would say there could be there could be a case to be made. Like, if you're having bad seller metrics, like if you're if you're selling a specific renewable item or a replenishable item. Uh, and you're selling a ton of it consistently, and then all of a sudden for a couple of weeks it drops off, then it picks back up. Maybe you had several complaints. Maybe a bunch of customers returned them or said it arrived damaged or something. And so eBay's like, uh, and so they slow your sales on that item. But I think a lot of times, I mean, when somebody's talking about selling $150 worth of a certain item a day for a week straight, in their mind, they're thinking that's a really big sample size, but that's so, so, so small when mm. you consider the fact yeah, of. true millions of dollars, billions of dollars are going through the economy consistently on a regular basis. And so when you're like your small little product 
yeah, it could drop off. I'm sure if you go to a 7-Eleven, it's like, yeah, last week we were selling Takis like crazy. And this week, you know, only sold a few. And so companies are always dealing with that with stocking. Sometimes they're out of stock because they didn't think so much would sell. But it just so happened that the people coming in that day were like, hey, I want that or some commercials that they saw. There's so many factors that can run into place of why why, but if you were to look probably across the country of how many Takis, and I, I say that because I know all kids like to eat the Takis, uh, but you know how the Takis are selling across the country, I bet the metrics stay pretty consistent all the time and, and over a period of time. But in a region, it can be like, yeah, we have, we've, we're down 70% on Takis sales this week. And the next week we're up 150%. And it's, there's not a conspiracy of like people forcing the people in that region to buy or not buy. <clears throat> so I think there are times when eBay will slow down sales or promote sales for certain buyers or sellers, depending on, or, you know, what's going on, like new sellers. I, I firmly believe that new sellers get a little bit of a bump yeah, in the algorithm to hook, right, to hook them in. <clears throat> so it could be that the new sellers are selling similar items that you are. And there's a whole bunch of them that came in for whatever reason. And so yours got dro dropped down a little bit, but I don't know. I think it's, Unless you're selling millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff with tons of data, you're not going to be able to know for sure whether it's throttling or whether it's just simply the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> or throttling. Now, I'm 100% believer in throttling, but I don't see it as something that's nefarious or unethical. So let me explain. So eBay is a company that has to keep two groups of constituents happy, the buyers and the sellers. On the buyer end, they have to provide customer service. They have to provide the best items at the best price for people to continue coming back. On the seller side, they need to keep sellers uh, to continue getting what is the most of the revenue at the moment, right? Fees, promoted listings, pay-per-click, whatever it is. And so they have to play on both sides, right? And so if, if every sale always went to the bottom price, there would be a lot of people that say like, I, I'm just, I'm not going to sell on this platform. Or if every sale went to just the people that gave free shipping, people would be like, I, I don't want to do free shipping and they'll just sell on another platform. Right. If, if buyers, right. If they could only buy stuff, you know, that was in their region. Uh, and then it, people would go like, you know, I want to, I want to buy, you know, somewhere else. Cause I could probably get a better deal. So eBay has to like balance everything out. I don't know how they do in the algorithm, but for example, like you had talked about metrics, right? So they have to ensure that the people that are selling the stuff, especially like high end goods are probably individuals that have great feedback, have great shipping are top rated sellers. Like I'm pretty sure those people get pushed higher in the search. It's not throttling. It's just good business. Right. At the same time, they also want to make sure that people get a deal. And so people that have free shipping get pushed up a little higher. Individuals with photos of white backgrounds, as, as they've preached many times, those get pushed higher in the search. Uh, individuals that have, you know, great customer service and no defects get pushed higher in the search. And so when somebody's searching something, they may only see on the page the people that eBay want them to see and other people's items are like on page seven and eight that no one's ever going to look at. They're not going to click on there. Right. And so I do think eBay does that, but I just, I think it's the way of doing business. Now, my question is, is I, I'm beginning to believe that eBay, <laughs> eBay caps the amount of people, uh, the amount of money individuals make until they start showing a consistent pattern of being able to uh, produce the same amount of inventory over and over and over again through listings. But that's a whole nother for another time. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, do you think they're going to go to the the seller that out of nowhere is only selling like, let's say 
a thousand dollars in one week and then they get a flood of inventory and they can make ten thousand dollars do you think that person if the next week only brings in a thousand dollars of inventory and then a few weeks later he gets a flood of inventory again that they're going to get that ten thousand again I'm not sure I follow the question on that, but I think <laughs> okay. I think I understand the spirit of what you're saying. I, All right. I, I just, I don't know. eBay, again, I think we're giving too much credit to, okay. to, to the system as far as that goes. I think a lot of it, they're, they're, eBay is going to optimize certain listings and push certain listings, again, from stores that have good good reputation from that are putting in all of the item specifics, all of those things, of course, companies or people, sellers that are, are promoting listings. So there are various things that they're going to push, but it would be too much work, just too much data for them to try and manage to try and figure out who are we going to punish and increase and not. And what I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think so. I mean, cause the, uh, the bottom line is eBay wants to make the most money possible. So they're not looking at a seller and going, they've got, they haven't produced as much inventory as they have in the past. So we're going to lower their sales. Like if your item, here's the thing. I, I firmly believe like if your items are going to sell, like if it's a good item, it's going to sell. Now, if you're in a, like a really saturated market where you've got, you're competing against 500 other active listings for the same item and you're all around the same price or you're, you're not the best price, of course your item isn't going to sell. I think the problem is a lot of times people will take a bad week that they're having and it's really easy to blame somebody else. Mm. Right. True. So it, Sometimes it's just the way life is like some weeks I have really good sales and the next week sales weren't so good. And, you know, I've added a few things to my inventory. Maybe the things that were really good selling, like those are gone now because they've sold. So maybe they would have sold this week if I still had those items in, but I don't have those anymore. And it's really easy, I think, for people to say I had a bad week. It's not my fault. It's eBay's fault. eBay did something to me. It's like, well, if you had the item that people were looking for at the price that people wanted it at and you were the best, you'd sell it. If you had the hydro flask, that was brand new at the price point that was cheaper than everybody else's and you can get it's gonna sell like it's not like if you had the best item that is in high demand and it's at the lowest price that ebay is just gonna be like nope like they want they want it to sell they don't want that inventory sitting those listings up they want those listings sold so that they can make their money yeah i i, I see that i see that but i do think the technology is in a place that algorithm can be so complex that they could do that like they don't even have to like think about it. The 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 algorithm just comes up with it on its own. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We've talked to eBay developers and they even say we don't know how the we don't know how the AI and the algorithm functions. It just we we put in some stuff and it just takes off. Yeah, I don't know if it was said exactly like that, but but was, if that helps I, you feel better. It was like that. It was like that. All right. Hey, uh next one here. This one's with the store that shall not be named. Dun dun dun. It's talking about uh, Goodwill here. Uh, it says that they use cell phone jammers. So Goodwill's poor internet connections. After visiting most of the Goodwills in my area, I'm starting to suspect that the network connections there are intentionally bad. This doesn't seem to be a problem in other stores. Does anyone else experience poor network connections at Goodwill or other thrift stores? Even if it's not an intentional Goodwill Wi-Fi jamming conspiracy, what might one do to ensure connectivity in stores? Here's what I would say. Not all, but a lot of times there's certain stores you go into and how many stores are you in on a regular basis where you're just on your phone? All of them. All every so every time you're in a store, like you're not not a sourcing. I'm not talking about sourcing. I'm oh, just okay. talking about oh, like yeah, no, no, like no. you're you're just you're doing your normal thing, right? A lot of buildings, especially if they're concrete, if they're cinder block made buildings, the signal is really bad in them. Yeah, like it's just really I, okay, bad. Here's my question though: Would it be wrong if Goodwill used cell phone jammers? Yeah, it'd be it'd be illegal. 
it, and they would they would go to jail <laughs> okay. and it would be a conspiracy that would be like all over the but is it illegal because like you can't stop somebody from using their cell phone or is it a because it's not a an illegal no, business practice yeah it is it's against the law to use a cell phone jammer oh okay so there's like no like what are they going to gain from that like are they worried somebody's going to see an item that they have in their store? mine I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna that they're gonna see an item in their store is valuable and gonna resell it like they want resellers <laughs> in their stores know. you know like that's like we've talked about in the past where if a store is like no resellers it's like they're really hurting themselves because resellers do a ton of the business and so you know, I mean, restaurants have the like, they're those, you see them every once in a while, like they have policies, like you, your cell phone can't come out on the table, like, you know, or don't bring your cell phone in. And that's part of like their environment or the culture of the place. So, I mean, there's maybe some places could say like, we just want people engaged with people and communicating. And that's why we don't want cell phones. But Goodwill doesn't care if you have your cell phone out. Like, there's no way. Now, I, I know like there's a target in, in our area where it's kind of like a basement, like we have to go downstairs and I never get signaled down there. And that's where all the stuff is on clearance. It's not a conspiracy. The target's like, we don't want resellers down here checking stuff. It's just, it's lower end. It's a concrete building and cell phone signals low in there. Yeah. The, the tough part is even if, it, yeah, even if it's not a cell phone jammer, I've been there where you see something and it's super valuable and, and your best options are either one, hopefully you're with a friend who has another cell phone carrier that has a better signal and you can use them as a hotspot or you have to take a picture and you just go out to your car and you hope that nobody picks it up. I mean, sometimes you can ask the store to put on hold for you and they'll put on hold for you and you just step out. I mean, I've, I've done that before. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I, <laughs> I, I've heard that theory many, many times. Yeah. I just think people don't realize like there's a lot of times, I mean, now more and more people are on cell phones. So you, you might recognize it more, but like, Maybe cell phone signal is really bad in movie theaters, but most people aren't like constantly on their cell phone in a movie theater. They're watching a movie, right? Yeah. So it's not like, hey, movie theaters are using cell phone jammers. It's just nobody knows to check that. So if the one place you're constantly wanting to use lots of internet is in a Goodwill because that's where you're sourcing, then of course, if you're having connectivity issues, you're going to be like, well, this is weird. I don't have connectivity issues other places. And it's like, well, how often are you... The conspiracy music plays. Yeah. How, how often are you like doing eBay sourcing or like looking stuff up on eBay? Now, there are times where, you know, you're on your phone and certain places it's like, man, the signal is really bad here. I just feel like that's a common thing. I just think it's the... You're probably in Goodwills that are either in an area that just don't have good cell phone signal or the cell phone signal is not strong enough to penetrate the... Uh, the cinder block building that it is. So yeah, that, that's yeah. what I would say. I would say it's probably not self. It's definitely not cell phone jammers. There's no way that like Goodwill is going to risk like federal lawsuits in order to what prevent a couple of resellers from finding an item <laughs> they can sell from their store. <laughs> that is true. All well, right. <laughs> so this is a no, I'm going to say no, no. Okay. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, really grateful to all of you that support us on uh, Patreon. It definitely helps us out, especially now as we enter the holiday season. Uh, Mike and I have a really complicated schedule. We're always trying to, you know, make sure that episodes drop. And part of that is taking away time from our own reselling. Uh, and Patreon helps kind of buffer some of that money lost during that time. And so thankful to all of you for that support. Uh, part of that is that bonus you get at joining our Discord. It's a great community. Learning a lot. I'm, <laughs> every day I go on there and I'm always, it's either the, you know, I, I like to look at the bolos because I'm always 
always interested in what's new. But even the conversation, you know, I'm always picking up new ways to ship. I'm picking up uh, new ways to list. I'm picking out new ways to source. Uh, there's some things that people come up with. And I'm just like, wow, I never even thought about that. So if you haven't yet signed up with the Patreon and help us out, go to patreon.com slash Pierce podcast or go to the link below. Love to see you uh, on the Discord and uh, hope you'll support us. Five fifty five yeah. a month. Yeah. All right. Also on social media. I don't know. Are you? There's some kind of weird noise. This is our conspiracy episode. Well, there's some major construction happening down the road. Uh, so I'm thinking that's what that is. Maybe. <laughs> So, I don't know if it's just the mic picking it up though. So, anyways, <laughs> the look my game. Hey, if you haven't followed us on social media, we are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, we're also Pierce Cast on Twitter, which may be Vine. That that would be interesting. I would look forward to the reselling content coming over there. But we'll see what happens. Uh, also, you can uh, give us a call at 619-738-1170. 619-738-1170. If there is a conspiracy you want to share. Give us a call. We'll just throw on a random episode and we'll just talk about it. Also, shoot us an email at purestofpodcast at gmail.com. It's purestofpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you're welcome uh, to uh, come on over. If you're just listening to the podcast and haven't watched us on YouTube, every Monday we do drop these mini shows, which are about 10 to 20 minutes that we just focus in on one topic. And so if you haven't caught those, you can come on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification so you know when they drop. And as always, appreciate the, the like button that gets smashed. And Always grateful for all the iTunes reviews. Uh, always helps us out in the search. Uh, we are the most uh, reviewed reselling podcast out there. We are the biggest reselling podcast out there. And it's because of all of our awesome listeners. And And I, I think, honestly, I believe that the reviews go a long way uh, because it lets people know, hey, this is why you should listen to Pierce's podcast. So just wanted to share uh, the latest three real quick. All right. So this uh, comes from... Uh, actually, I'm going to do... Yeah, we'll do three. Uh, this comes from Glimmering Prize. They said, I love these guys. They have a great chemistry and they are so funny. Very quirky and enjoyable. I'll take quirky. Yeah, quirky is a nice way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> As a reseller for over 25 years, there's always something interesting in each show. I never miss an episode. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate nice. that, Glimmering Prize. Uh, real quick one. Uh, Johnny102187 said, great listen. They keep it real and have learned a lot from the show. We're going to do four of these. Uh, next, One Snook One, uh, this was recent, said, awesome duo. Learned so much every time I listen and laugh with them. Reselling teachers got to love it. Uh, reselling teachers got to love it. Once an educator, always an educator. Very true. Right. Thanks for teaching us. We'll appreciate that. Uh, and this comes from Big Family 101 said, I'm a new listener uh, on the Oregon coast. Mike and Orlando are great, super easy to listen to with practical, useful tips for those of us who are new to the reselling world. It would be helpful to have a quick reminder at the beginning of each episode of common terminology used on their shows. You know, we, we got to do that yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we can do something like that. Uh, this is especially important since many of us are driving while listening and can't use our phone to look something up at the moment we hear it, i.e. terms like bolo. It's true. Be on the lookout for those are items you should, you know, look out for. Many of us are new and need to learn how to make an extra income. So keep up the good work. Well, thanks so much. Nice. Appreciate that. Uh, right now we are at 600. The number is always off. We're like at 650 ish reviews. Uh, so we'd love to get to 700. We'd love to get to a thousand. I think that'd be pretty awesome. So getting that one K club. Oh, I know what's going on right now. Oh, you're getting some water. The landscapers are here. Yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah. So there's like, someone's like doing some weed whacking outside <laughs> but you know i think i've got the mics tuned straight to our mouths which okay. is why i'm always pointing it at your face but uh hopefully hopefully you won't be able to hear it. and if you do hear a little bit of like yard work happening it's all right you know a little chainsaw action 
I'm we're, glad we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Hey, all right. All right. Let's talk about some, uh, some good finds here. Yeah. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. Hustle of the week. Our first one comes from Dominic IG handle at Dom gray seven. Went to the thrift and came across a vintage Disney Mickey Mouse holiday animation Mickey and Minnie sledding. Paid $30 and sold in eight hours on Mercari for $230 plus shipping. 30 bucks to 230. I like the, you know, selling it for 230 because then, you know, it's clean 200. Well, I, I got a funny story. This one. So he, he messaged me and shares this with me. I'm like, awesome, we'll make it hustle a week. And he goes, what's that? And I'm like, so, you know, here's the, here's the arrogant Orlando, you know, thinking that everybody listens to the podcast. Guess <laughs> and, not. And uh, no, but, but he was brand new. And so he's like, oh yeah, I got to check out your guys' podcast. So I know Dom, you're listening. Uh, Dominic, talking to him like we're best friends. Yeah, Dom. So, so Dom, thank you for sharing your hustle of the week. Appreciate you tuning in. And uh, I always appreciate it when, you know, we're kept humble. That's right. <laughs> so there you go. All right. This next one comes from uh I think it's Jamie uh, DLC uh, on our, this is actually on our, is it our, is it our Discord? I don't know why, but uh, IG handle and all that, but it's from the Discord. I went to the locally owned thrift and came across a random remote on a desk. This was a pretty awesome one. I don't know if you saw this one, Mike. Knew some remotes go for good money. So looked it up and found a ni- found nice comps on it. Paid $4 for this remote. Listed on eBay and in seven days, a Tempur-Pedic Ergo Plus wireless remote for an adjustable bed sold for $199 free ship. And by the way, decided to keep looking and found a second one. Nice. That is, I mean, you look at these remotes and I would have never like thought it'd be worth that much. Man, Bolo. But think about it. You drop, what, one of $3,000 on a bed and you lose a remote? Yeah, I'm sure rough. the remote's money if you buy it from Tempur-Pedic. So, oh, I bet. So anyways, nice work there, uh, Jamie DLC from the Discord. All right. Our next one's also from the Discord. Uh, Kalua from the Discord went to the store that shall not be named, bum, 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 and came across a vintage Y2K Juicy Couture red jewelry box. Brought it home and ended up in a death pile. Forgot about it and came across it the other day and decided to list it. Saw comps in a different colorway. Um... This is more of a tan and green. So listed for a hundred dollars less than there was, was listed. Is this number right? Yeah, it's 149.99. So the, the one that was on there was 249.99. They listed it for a hundred dollars less. Got gotcha. 149.99. 149.99. Sold it in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. So that, that was different because we're, very, I'm changing too. very big on. If you have something that isn't there, you usually list it higher. Yeah. They instead said, I want this sold quick. I'm going to list it lower. And, you know, I've noticed, I've, I've seen some people mention in comments on our, our YouTube and other people make, make comments in the Discord. And I think there's something to be said uh, for, especially in our, our downturn economy, because none of us have really, I mean, obviously there's some OG resellers out there mm-hmm. who sold through, you know, previous uh, recessions and things like that. But there's something to be said for, you can kind of list high and forget it when, when it's just a gravy train. But... Sometimes you need to go that really fast nickel and just say, I'm going to get whatever I've got listed and I'm going to be the lowest listing possible so that this sells and then I can have more money and I can move on, right? Because my money's worth more today than it is tomorrow. And so even if, even if I get 20% less, 
you know, in a couple of years, it sells 20% more. Did I really win or am I better off just selling it now and, and continuing to grow as a business? So I do think that there's something to be said for moving to a sell faster rather than sit and wait, especially when you need the money. Yeah. And especially right now in this kind of coming, I can't, I mean, I'm not going to get bothered by individuals that, you know, want to make that buck because right now we don't know. Right. I'm a big believer in being cash heavy if you can at this point in time. So, all right. Appreciate all those hustle a week. What's your hustle a week? Uh, mine's a small one. And, and I've, I've mentioned these over the last probably couple of years on the podcast, uh, but sold another one of my AT&T signs. I have these AT&T long oh, distance yeah, signs uh, that I picked up at a garage sale. I don't know why the, this guy had so many. I, I don't even remember how many I picked up. I'd have to watch. I think I made it a YouTube video. I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't. I, I, I know I talked about it in an earlier podcast. So somebody who's binged all of them, maybe can comment and let me know how many I picked up and for how much. Because I, I want to say I was I paid five dollars each and I probably got like 40 of these signs. And the nice thing is they're all already boxed. Yeah. So it's a sign with that. the hardware inside. And it's just like a big sign that says AT&T long distance. I'm assuming it'd be on the outside of a building or a bus stop or something like that. And they've just sold. I mean, I, it's like I said, it's been a couple of years, so not so consistently that every week I'm getting a sale, but I would say every month or two, I, boom, another one sells. Sometimes I've taken offers. Sometimes they sell for full price. I've got them listed for like $50. And so to think that a one-time purchase, and that was kind of a, a risk to say like, all right, I'll buy all of these. The guy didn't want to negotiate as much as I was hoping he would, even buying all of them. But knowing that I've already made my profit back a long, long time ago on those. And so every time one sells, it's like money in the bank. So hustle of the week was a old score that continues to pay off. No, I remember those. That's that's great. I mean, and you've made profit. You already were profitable probably after two or three of them. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's good. All right. So mine goes back. And did I share this already, Padre stuff? I can't remember. Yep. As a hustle of the week, I'm pretty sure. Like when I sourced or when I sold it, I don't remember. I've talked about it so much, mm-hmm. but it just keeps rolling in and. Again, I did. I talked about the G.I. Joe story. Did I really? Anyways, I'm just going to share. <laughs> no, I haven't. Like with last update episode, we talked about how I was going to make a lot of money and then the Padres lost. And so, you know, I just sold stuff in that small window of time. But I, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's interesting because sometimes you think that, you know, you buy, you make these huge purchases and you think that things aren't going to sell and and then I don't know where they start selling. And I got to tell you, the Padres may have not made the World Series, but I'm still selling Padres stuff. And so I paid $140 for, I don't know, I bought 30 jerseys, 10, I don't know, 20 t-shirts. Yeah, 20 t-shirts, uh, ticket stubs, bobbleheads, towels, uh, autographs. I have stuff that I need to get sent into PSA that... I, I just don't have the time. I have so much Padre stuff. It's crazy. And so the last week has been excellent. So, for example, I sold a, a Jake PV World Baseball Classic jersey uh, this morning. I remember I paid 140 for everything. I sold it for $130 uh, plus ship to somebody in San Diego. That's what's crazy to me is that all this stuff is going to people in San Diego. Uh, I sold a, a newspaper print shirt. Uh, for a vintage one from 1998 for $45. I sold another uh, Jake PV jersey for $70. I sold another Padres jersey for $45. I sold a pennant for $20. I sold another hat 
16. I sold a Hot Wheels car, new and packaged for 35. I sold an, another Hot Wheels car, not new and packaged for 25. Sold a 20 <laughs> bobblehead for 25. I sold another pendant for 35. I mean, it just goes. I mean, Mike can tell you, I can just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And so that was a loss that morning at first because I lost my dear, dear G.I. Joe Terradrome. But while that guy was packing that in the car, I went to the Padres room and cleaned house. And I feel feel vindicated. That's good stuff. So anyways, but remember, playoffs, you have a small window of time. But here's why I think people are buying Padres stuff right now. I think people are anticipating that they're going to have another good year next year. Uh, Tatis will be back on the roster, hopefully. And then, you know, we'll we'll make it to the World Series. Yeah, I don't follow sports really, but I know uh, it's kind of interesting because Padres have always kind of been seen, at least from what I gather, as like kind of a farm team where they, they, they're really good at recruiting. They're really good at recruiting yeah, yeah, a good team. And yeah. then the way baseball works is you can sell off your and trade your your teammates. And so they end up selling a lot of their good players before the season's halfway through. And then they end up with a mediocre team. They basically fueled a whole bunch of other teams, but they made a bunch of money. So then they could do it again next year. But then I heard somebody say something to the effect of the Padres are like in the top three most uh, uh, teams with the most money, like, and bankroll going into next year. So it's like, wow, like they, maybe they really can like turn this into a consistent, consistent thing. So Which, pretty, as I've said, you may be, you may be local to San Diego and you'd be like, no one wants this Padre. So I'm telling you people want it. So, all right, that is our uh, hustle of the week. All right. We have uh, just a small handful here of uh, conspiracies. This one I, I really wanted to talk about. And this is the, the idea that eBay rewards sellers who list consistently. And uh, this may get a little controversial, but let me read this. It says, I've mentioned this before in comments, but never made a thread about it. eBay's algorithm heavily rewards sellers who are constantly listing. I got 45K listed and haven't listed much in the last month uh, and haven't, haven't seen my sales uh, have near nearly each week for the last four weeks. Went on a listing spree the last five days and a row listing about, I think they meant they have 4,500 items listed. Or $45,000 worth of items yeah, listed. Yeah, $45,000 worth okay. of items. Went on a listing spree the last five days in a row, listing about 15 items a day, and suddenly I get a huge pop in sales on stuff that wasn't moving at all. This happens every time I get a little lazy and stop listing, but many I consistently list, sales pick way back up. If you're having a slump, try not listing a ton at once and spread your listings over every day for a week rather than one day. Almost guarantee your old stock starts to move. So basically, the argument is that listing every day doesn't guarantee sales. Where do you land on this, Mike? So the argument, no, the argument that's being made here is listing every day does guarantee sales. The point that's oh. being made here is listing consistently is going to increase your sales. Okay. Do you believe that? Uh, yes and no. So okay. I, I'm 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 halfway on this. I think there is truth to this in partly the algorithm could might reward that because again, if a seller, the more items a seller is putting up, eBay is making more money, right? They're making more money off of listings or you having to get a bigger store. Uh, they're also more items are going to sell. Part of me thinks that this, the, the number is slightly inflated with the fact that you're getting more sales because you're listing because part of it is you just have more items in your store that potentially can sell. Now I've experienced it. Obviously many other people have experienced it where I'll list a bunch of new things and some of my older stuff is selling, Mm -hmm. but there's no way to know whether that older stuff would have sold, whether or not I listed. Like we can't know that it's all just kind of 
assuming that that older stuff sold because I'm listing now. Mm -hmm. What I have noticed is when I list stuff, it tends to be the newest things that I'm listing that is more likely to sell within the first few months. Um, even if it's, you know, it's hard to say because like when you look at your items, you think it's all equally valuable. Some's worth more, some's worth less. Uh, but in the sense of I only pick up good quality pairs of used shoes and I only pick up good quality bags and I only pick up good quality shirts. So obviously all my inventory is good stuff, but you just never know what it is that people are looking for. Right. So I don't know. Part of it, I think, yes, eBay probably does boost sellers who are listing more because that means that's a seller who is um, potentially going to bring in more money overall. But I think also there's the element of it where if I have a hundred items listed and I list another 20 items this week, I just increase my store by 20%. Yeah. Right. So of course I'm going to potentially see higher sales coming in because I have more items in my store than I had previously. So it's, I think it's slightly skewed. I think there's some truth to this, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as, Hey, if you don't list for a week, you're going, your sales are going to drop. But if you list every day, it's going to significantly go up. I think sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Cause there's a lot of people. I don't think it's, yeah, I agree with you. Cause there's a lot of people who list every single day and their sales still drop. You know, you just, you never know. Yeah. I don't think there's direct correlation between the two. Um, or causing or whatever it is. Oh, well, is that, is the mic going to pick up that one? I don't know. Just, just, <laughs> just keep talking. All right. You got to talk, you got to talk right into your mic and well, like the this, rest, like, should, the rest should right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, that's, that's right. Right. <laughs> so if you're wondering if you're not hearing it, there's a loud, uh, uh, some lawn blowers happening. Yeah. Leaf, leaf blower, blower outside. Okay. All right. Now he, here's, here's the thing. I do think it's a major, major thing that is pushed in the community that like if you list more, you're going to consistently make more money. Okay. Now I don't believe, and I I've never ever heard eBay in any kind of forum and any kind of eBay open any, anything eBay has never said, if you list every single day, you're going to get more sales. They've never said it. And I've heard YouTubers say like, if you list every day, you're going to get more sales. I think it's more of a psychological thing. Like you feel like you're in control. Right. And so therefore, you know, you can't stop listing because if you don't, if you stop listing, like your sales are going to drop. And that's just not the case. I, I've, and I know for myself and I know from a lot of other resellers, uh, you know, we've had moments I've listed for, you know, I don't know, 30 days straight and my sales didn't like pick up. I just had the same consistent sales. Uh, this last week, I actually have not listed in seven days. Uh, part of it is I had sick kids, uh, life got busy. And, uh, what I really took care of was making sure that I had good sell through. So I put my store on sale. I offer coupons, I accepted offers and my sales kept coming through. And actually I had a better week this last week than I had all of October. And I didn't list a single thing for seven days. And I, I know it's anecdotal evidence, so I'm not saying this is truth, but I, I'm a big believer that not listing every day is going to directly equate with more money and higher sales. But over time, as you're growing your store with quality products, obviously it should bring in more revenue as long as the economy matches. And I think that's the one thing right now we all need to be careful of as we enter uh, this period of Q4. Well, we are in Q4, but now this economic downturn is trying to give people that hopium that like, hey as long as you're sourcing and you're listing every day that things are going to go really well, that may not be the case. 
right? Sales may still dip and, and we don't know. I mean, we, I did all the research. I talked to other resellers. We in this podcast talked about selling a recession and found that, you know, reselling does really good in a recession, but history is not perfect and history does not repeat itself. So it rhymes. <laughs> that's the new one I hear all the time. Yeah, I'm so tired of that one. That That's not true either. No, I think it's sometimes there's just specific events that you cannot say are the same. So I say that as my uh, historian background. All right. So, but do list every day if you can. It it definitely is helpful. Yeah. So, all right. This uh, before we move into the next one. So I'm on day two of my school shaver, and no conspiracy here. It still looks smooth. I think not as not as polished as Mike. I think shaved today. Oh yeah, I I, I school shave every day. It's uh it's one of the joys of my morning. It's like part of my routine now. It's fast. It's easy. I have a, a a good looking dome all the time. If you're not if you're not skull shaving and you need to skull shave, and you know who you are, if you're listening to this and you're bald, like we are, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. We accept you. We believe in you. It's the it's the hand you've been given. But you, you can like make the guy <laughs> like Jack Handy. You you're can, good enough. You're smart enough. Yeah, you, they're gone to people like you. You can you can. Uh, you, you you can make bald beautiful, but you need to stay you need to stay close trimmed. You can't let that gruff come in. You can't look like lazy bald. So get the get yourself a skull shaver. They have tons of other products too. They've got uh they've got equipment for maybe you just got regular hair and you just want to trim it up. They've got they've got stuff for that. They've got uh shaving cream, they've got all kinds of things you can think about. Uh if if it's if it's for hair, hair removal, skull shaver is the place to go. We need yeah, so check us out. Uh code is hustle. H U S T L E capital H capital H. So check us out. Link below. Uh, you know, I, I want to get sponsored by a beard company eventually. I'm sure we could reach out to some people. I've I mean, reached out, but you know, yeah, because my beard, it's cause you got, it's cause you got the long goatee. I but need see, a full I've, beard. Got, I've got the epic beard. So I got so sick with my kids that I actually had a beard going, but man, I, I, I looked like I was panhandling. It, it got rough. Mm. It just got like dudes like me should not just grow beards, and I started look, realizing how old I look if I grew a beard. I just don't. Yeah. I'm gonna have to then. Then we're gonna have to be sponsored by, um, what is that? The one that where they dye the, the you dye your hair for men or something? Yes, yeah, so, Rogaine. No, Rogaine. No, not hair. Rogaine. It's, it's I forget what it is, but you know where you dye your hair, yeah. you, you you like brush it in. And yeah, it yeah. Like that's what's gonna be the next step. Cause I, I got the salt and pepper and I know people, I, you know, people are back and forth about that. I do get random compliments all the time, but if I grew it all out, anyways, who cares? All right, moving on. Conspiracy number six. Yeah, tired of hearing a conspiracy. How long is Orlando going to talk about his beard? <laughs> all right. uh, resetting a listing brings more sales. So a while back, I learned about reselling one's listings or store on eBay by bulk editing and submitting everything all at once without even making any changes. Supposedly doing this moves your listings up in searches and registers your account as active, which is a good thing. So I'm guessing somebody who has a smaller store just like ends everything and they just like do sell somewhere or they relist it. The first time I tried it after a two month dry spell, I had a sale the next day. So I thought that resetting my listings must have helped. I don't have a store at this point yet. However, it could have just been a coincidence. I have reset my listings several times since then and still there hasn't been much activity. So I want to speak on this real quick. <clears throat> I've been doing this for two weeks every night I'll take 15 items and I'll end them and then I'll sell similar. And initially I was like, Oh, this is just like, 
this is alchemy. Like, I'm not going to get any golden sales out of this. But here's what's happened. With those items, I'll begin to get offers on those items. It might, it takes like a week and then some of them sell. So I do think there is validity to doing the sell similar and the fact that your item might have been sitting there for so long that it's like on page, I don't know, 29. But when you make it new, it ends up on that first page. So Yeah, I think I think there's something to be said for stale items. I mean, we know how this works. It's obviously a little bit more active on something like OfferUp, where literally the paid subscription on OfferUp is you, you can pay to have your items like promoted, as it were. Uh, which gets it up to the top of the list. But even if you're not doing that, one of the the things you could do is end your listing and start it again. And it's a little bit annoying to do, but it gets you up at the top for the next day or so as it gets pushed down and new things are put in. There's this little bit more uh, organized based off of newest versus newest to oldest as opposed to like sorting by other metrics. Whereas eBay is going to do like relevance a little bit more important and things like price and all of that can go into play. Uh, so I do think that there's something to be said. I mean, remember when they switched over to the, it wasn't renewing every 30 or yeah, they ended good till yeah, canceled. Good till canceled. So one of the things that, that was kind of with that is the listing kind of almost got a, a fresh start all the time mm-hmm. instead of like holding on to like how many page views and all of that stuff. And, you know, I think there's something to be said if you've got an item that's been on there and with what you were saying, I've done that in the past too, but what I'll do is, I'll specifically go back to the items that have been there the longest. So I'll start at the bottom of the list because you can kind of sort how long you've had items listed for. And then those are the ones I'll end. And a lot of times it's just an indication of, is my pricing right on this? Like maybe my pricing is just off. Like maybe when I listed this, this item was selling for $35 a piece, but like the market has changed. Now they only sell for 27, which is why mine hasn't sold, but a bunch have sold recently for 27. So I just need to adjust my price. So sometimes doing that helps, uh, lets you kind of be aware of which things you which items you need to adjust potentially. And I do think that even if you didn't change anything, you kept everything the exact same, it probably does help if you've got a, a stale item in the sense of you've had thousands of page views, but nobody's put it in a cart. Nobody's made an offer on it. Nobody's then it's at, at some point eBay is just going to say, this is, item is a waste of space. Put it at the back of the list. It's new. They could probably tell if you don't do anything to change it. But I mean, maybe you update the title a little bit and you update a little bit of the description, take a couple seconds to do, make it a little bit more descriptive, change the price, something like that. And there you go. Now, now you've got a fresh item. Yeah. And I've been doing that a lot more. I am trying to get rid of my uh, older items now. Uh, I am not to the place of just donating them. I think there's still value in them. Uh, but uh, I do believe... Uh, I'm not a hundred percent, but I do believe if you have stuff that's been there way, it, the days are gone where you could have stuff for like seven years and it didn't matter. I think it definitely will weigh you uh, in the algorithm. All right. Conspiracy. And this is our final one using the eBay charity function boost sales. So somebody said on Reddit, I have a feeling that eBay has shadow policies that boost listing ranks. Like when fees are paid up, charity option, closing your store, newly open store, anything that helps make them money, whether above board or not. So the one I want to focus on is like, if you have that charity option, that's going to boost you higher in the search. How do you feel about that one? I I wouldn't be surprised. I think, (laughs) really, I I think it might, I think it might. And I think it also, part of it might be just the experience of, Hey, I get more sales. If I have this feature um, on my system or on my items, because there's going to be a handful of buyers. Maybe it's 5% of buyers. Maybe it's 10%. Maybe it's 20%. I don't know what number it is, 
But there's for sure a certain percentage of buyers who are more likely to buy an item if they think part of that money is going to charity. Mm. So if you are all of a sudden the top of the list for five or 10% more of the people who are out buying things, you're probably going to convert a little bit more. Now, in some ways, it's almost like doing a promoted listing in the sense of you're losing a little bit of your profit for that in exchange of maybe getting some more people, some more eyes on it because eBay's either boosting it or you're you're reaching out to the audience that's maybe a little bit more compassionate or more willing to spend money. Uh, so you're you're losing a little bit on one end, but then you're potentially converting more. So I almost look at it as like advertising, but instead of eBay making as much of the money, it's going to a charity. So yeah. Yeah. and it does give you that ribbon on the listing. Like people know. So I mean it's up to you nefarious or not. If if you want to try it out and you think it's gonna give you more sales and you want to support a good cause, go for it, you know? Uh but I don't I don't believe that it pushes you up in the search. But I do think, like you said, the more people buy as a result of the seeing that, it's gonna push you up anyways. So that's where we're at. So hopefully uh this episode was not only one just filled with uh randomness to talk about, but uh but one that gave you a lot of information to also help you uh better run uh your you know your ebay business whether it be sourcing whether it be listing whether your customer service whatever avenue you're at and uh, don't get caught up in those conspiracies with that being said make sure to be real be relevant and be reselling Late peace